Hello everybody and welcome to episode 6 of the Resurrected I Wouldn't Is You podcast. As ever, mine is, my name is David and I'm sitting 513 miles across from Mr. Alex Aldridge. How are you doing today, Alex, apart from being ready to throw your laptop out a window? <laughs> Ahoy hoy! We are, you're getting as the crow flies now, which I like very much. Yes. Well, maybe we're well, not we actually. We don't mess about with you, I Wouldn't Is You. We just go straight to it. Yeah, damn right. No I'd... foreplay, straight down to business. Exactly. Um, yeah, my laptop... Um... It will probably be heard throughout this recording, so I apologise. I'm working on it. it We're going to have to come up with a character name for your laptop because he's becoming a an ever present. Yeah, he's the he's, he's he's the third member of the podcast, really. Yeah, he's like my handler, so <laughs> he's just there all the time, whispering to me in in only fan tones that I can understand. Making sure you're wearing your safety gear, knee pads, and such. <laughs> yeah, my helmet. Yeah. <laughs> purple, of course. Yeah, of course. Always a purple helmet. <laughs> uh, so yeah, apart from apart from laptop, we're doing good. Um, we're back here today to do... Back here today, like we've, we've come to speak to you like a political movement. <laughs> we're standing before you today. We are gathered here today, dearly beloved. <laughs> yeah, we're here to we talk all things Gears of War. Yeah. We, Alex and I have been playing through the OG Gears of War. Um, I think, uh, well, we've... I don't know if you did, but I went back and played the OG OG Gears of War, but for the purposes of this podcast, we played through the Ultimate Edition. What right? effort, though? What effort by you to play the same game? Not not all the way through twice, but no, you did, you I, did I the just, first I chapter. I just love Gears of War. <laughs> Me I too. I just don't think I'll ever get bored of that. It's so simple, but I'll never get bored of that gameplay loop of hide behind a wall and just shoot things in the face. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I was a blast well, playing this. It was... Did you have more fun or less fun than you anticipated or about the same? I had less fun because you said co-op was how we were going to play it and then you decided... And then we didn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> yes, we can't so... stop playing Apex. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, if you're about, I'd rather play Apex. So yeah. let's just bash through this on our own. Yeah. So I missed you very much, but yeah, uh, especially because the AI is terrible. Oh, Dom is an absolute simpleton, isn't he? I think actually, if we if we go back to what we discussed Probably last week, uh, I actually think Dom is worse than Shiva from Resident Evil 5. <laughs> Lucky you can't give him stuff because you just never get it back. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about never getting stuff back at some point later on in this podcast. There's some foreshadowing of a gripe. That is some, some foreshadowing. You can hear the gears spinning up before they start grinding. <laughs> the piss is beginning to boil. <laughs> well, we just dive in then. Fucking let's get do it. straight to it. Yeah, let's go straight into the game because we, we right. what else are we going to say? We both really like it. It's really yeah. good fun. It is a good game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like to shut the shut the bad guys. I mean, with the medium, um, that was all right. Like we didn't hate it, but I, I am looking forward to the first podcast. We somehow managed to get through a game simultaneously that we both hate. Yeah. That'll be a good listen. But for now, we're just going to stick to ones we know aren't shite and carry on yes. having fun. Yeah, well, we're actually talking about the medium. That's probably a good jumping on point because um, you and I spoke about it briefly for, um, as we're playing through the game. And that there is a story to Gears of War, but it's not the central pillar of the experience, isn't it? So I was Absolutely kind of like not. humming and hawing about what I should do in terms of podcast structure. So I. Like, it's, I decided that broadly we'll f- I'll follow the same one that we did for the medium, i.e. we'll go through the game step by step, but rather than sort of create the car- the create the podcast around the narrative, I'll, I'll briefly touch on the narrative and then we'll start discussing maybe the standout points from each act. Yeah. I think it's probably the best way to do it. So 
for those that are, well, hopefully you've played through Gears of War in anticipation of this this hotly anticipated podcast. But if you haven't, it's developed by Epic Games and a bunch of other developers have been involved in it. But the primary developer is Epic Games, um, published by Xbox Game Studios. It was originally released on the 7th of November 2006, Correct. with the remade Ultimate Edition being released on the 19th of September 2019. The Ultimate Edition is actually quite a bit, like, Alex and I were very shocked about this, and I guess we'll come to it um, just now, but the Ultimate Edition um, is not just a sort of tarted up version of Gears of War, it's a, it's a from the ground up remake. Uh, for the, um, so, like, like I say, for the podcast, we, we mainly played the Ultimate Edition, but the, the, which includes five extra missions that were originally in the PC release yeah, yeah. the game and not the xbox release um and completely remade cutscenes and new textures for the game yeah I so found actually what they sorry, ba- like, what they basically did was that all the map layouts are identical to the original game mm-hmm. and then they just dropped an entirely new set of assets on top of everything and they also kept it in unreal engine 3 as well apparently because oh did they they said to to re-script everything like uh, uh, enemy ai and all that kind of stuff animations whatever would be um too di- not difficult but it would ruin the feel of the game if they bumped it up to the new engine so that's why it still kind of has to be in 30 frames per second for right. the campaign yeah okay yeah that makes sense and i guess that also is why it stops it being such a like this is the one thing that we came across and if you actually look at the two side by side it, it, the differences are stark but yeah i didn't really pay enough attention to that yeah. at the beginning but it really is but in 2019, when the game came out, the, I wouldn't say the game looked fantastic. It looks fine and it looks good. Does that make sense? To the point, I think that's maybe what plays into the into the fact that I was looking at the game thinking, this is just a tarted up version of the OG one, which it isn't. Does that make sense? Agreed. Yeah, I think the main thing I noticed was there's some anti-aliasing issues with it, where a lot mm-hmm. of the edges look jagged. I know that's probably because we were doing been playing apex legends and then jump straight into this and go from 60 fps smooth as butter game into a remake of a 2006 1080p yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I one other thing that i noticed and i don't know if you ran into it so i was trying to think back since the 2006 release and i obviously played through the game once on my own and then i think i've I've played most of it in co-op and then I've gone back and tried to play it in harder difficulties. And I think this is the second time that I've completed the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, and that sounds right. I I ran into a lot of bugs this time. Me too. Did you? Yes. I'd never played the Ultimate Edition before, but bugs are plenty is what I encountered. Yeah. The first one being in Act 1 in China Shop, which I guess we'll get to, where you where you meet the Berserker and you've got to kite the Berserker out of out of the building so that you can use a hammer of dawn on it to kill it yeah and the when you get outside some debris falls to stop you going back tracking through the level yes and going back inside again but the debris fell with me outside and the berserker inside so i just had to <laughs> i mean it was job done i was trying to get rid of the berserker threat but obviously the game was having none of that so i had to restart i was gonna say was it would it just would it just <laughs> imagine if i had like really adaptive ai and went well the berserker can't get out so yeah, job done. checkpoint yeah but i no. also find dom did a good job of doing insta death in that area quite often by that did area you find... do you mean every area every single area Fucking yeah idiot. like he would like the berserker would appear 
in that section and then I'd be like, oh, well, I better get out of here because this is a tiny room. I'd leave and Dom would just stay in there with the berserker and I'd be shooting the berserker, trying to get it out and it was just running about trying to punch Dom in the face. Well, Try that's quite good. Yeah. That's handy. Yeah, she just wouldn't leave the room. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, that's not handy. progress, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I had one in Act 4 where... Um, uh, so it was the one we... I think it's close to home... It's, I think it's around where you're trying to get into Marcus's dad's place, mm-hmm. I think. And there was a, there was a, a several fights and for several minutes where Dom just went, he just left. He was completely gone. I, would, <laughs> I walked around the hall. I couldn't find him anywhere. Every time I issued a command to like come back, he would say, you know, right here with you. But I would only see the text because he, he was so lying. far away. There's no voice. I couldn't even hear him. <laughs> he was that. He was just completely gone. And then he just, you know, popped back when the checkpoint came along. But I had other Aye. ones as well. The one when you're on the, and you're underground in the tu- in the tunnels with the emulsion thing. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> after you do the fight against the corpser, mm-hmm. and then the other two guys, Baird and Cole, come and meet up with you. I got confused because I walked past where the boss had been, which seemed to be where they'd come from, and then everyone else just kind of stood around waiting for oh, me yeah. as if I was doing it wrong. So then I started yeah, to run back, that. and then they then overlapped me and went past me again. I was like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, the path thing is, is, for most of these guys, it was not good. They are not useful at all. Which I guess is which, like, where I started this conversation is makes sense, given the, the age of the tech that the game was built on, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And why they, you know, they, as I said earlier on, they didn't want to have to re-script everything because that's a big task in a brand yeah. new engine, but that probably would have solved all these problems. And hopefully, if they ever do a, re- a remake of Gears 2, they will do that. I really hope they do a remake of Gears 2. I really hope so. But I think we're, I mean, we must be approaching beyond the 10-year anniversary of that game. When did that come out? Well, I'd imagine like 2008. 2003, 2008. So we've probably yeah, passed, we've easily so. passed 10 years of it. Oh yeah, we're easily. long past. Long past. Oh well, another seven, what, six, seven years and we'll maybe get it at the 20-year anniversary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yes, thought, we've digressed think, a little bit there. Yeah, before we start Act 1, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the sort of lead-up to, because this is one thing I think Gears of War does a really poor job of doing is, is explaining its story. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like, don't get me wrong, I'm not about to claim it's some Oscar winner, but actually there is a certain level of fun and engagement to be had with it. So uh, Yeah, I'd argue that it actually drops its most interesting story beat right in the epilogue after you've done the final boss. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but uh, you've obviously expanded your reach yeah, of Gears I've read of War outside. Books in the yeah. books so and... you're the encyclopedia for this one. Yeah, so the Gears of War game, this Gears of War game does the same as every Gears of War game and follows its classic five act structure. Um, the game. Do they really the all story... have five acts? Yeah, yeah, all five oh, okay. acts. Um, it documents the story of the human race as it fights for survival following the emergence of a vicious army of monsters known as the Locust, seemingly from nowhere. I actually, when see when I was writing up notes for this, I wrote that, that following the emergence of the Locust, and I was like, actually, no, it's not just a bunch of ming and flying <laughs> things going about the place. It's a little <laughs> bit more serious than that. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's set on the fictional world of Sarah, which I was actually thinking about this, and I think it all it does is serve is a surrogate for the real life planet earth except it allows the developers to take a bit of creative license and flourishes uh, to things like geographical formation and that's and like the only the, thing what i can think of and the that rain and stuff what and is, is it like i can't remember what it's called but oh, rain yeah. in, in, fu- in future gears games it is basically just like 
icicles that will stab you flying to the <laughs> yeah. ground and smashing up buildings and stuff like, like that. Like razor so, rain or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. Um, so in the lead up to Gears of War, man has essentially been locked in a 79-year conflict known as the Pendulum Wars. This is a war that claimed millions of lives as the coalition of ordered governments of the COGS, who we play as, fought against the Union of Independent Republics for control of the planet's emulsion supplies, which again just serves as a surrogate replacement for oil reserves in the real world, I think, as far as I can tell. Yep. Uh, having recently won the war between the two sides after an infamous battle known as Asphalt Fields, the COG and the Hammer of Dawn were able to break the stalemate and bring the war to an end. But only six weeks later, however, the day that we go down in, in Gears of War history, known as E-Day or Emergence Day, occurred when a new enemy, the Locust, as we've mentioned, emerged from the ground, started killing humans at will, and for all intents and purposes, taking control of the planet, driving humanity to the brink of extinction. Did they for, use Emergence Day in the marketing for this? I think I remember rightly that the, yeah, the day one edition of, of the game stuff. was like E-Day yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, the the Gears of War game, which is is kind of where we pick up in Act One, uh, picks up the game fourteen years after E Day, as we meet protagonist Marcus Phoenix and Dominic Santiago as Dom breaks Marcus out of a prison that appears to have been destroyed and abandoned during the ongoing war with the Locust, and it's apparently not going very well. Yeah, it's nice of them as well to to have included the Christian calendar and all of this planetary, yeah. in, in Sarah's uh, planetary time deduction yeah i wonder if, if if technically even marcus phoenix is a human is he well i suppose so yeah because like planet earth doesn't seem to exist you're right he's not an he's not an earthling no he's not he's some a sort of alien serenian yeah. serenian yeah <laughs> yeah um so what do you i guess like, like we were talking about before alex that the story isn't the central factor to gears and it doesn't have to be because the gameplay loop is just big dumb fun yeah what's your thoughts of the story from what you've kind of garnered of it is it just it felt very functional to me functional superficial what's the reason he's in prison i can't remember so he so there's something i I can't remember the full details but essentially his dad has got something his dad and his mum have got something to do with the the locust horde oh yeah um, and the guys it is and his dad his mum disappeared when she went into a tunnel before E-Day. And I actually think it turns out she's maybe the queen. She might I'm be. Not sh- but anyway, uh, Marcus Phoenix's dad goes off into the tunnels after E-Day and Marcus um, disobeys a direct order to go and try and rescue his dad, which he fails. And then he gets court-martialed and sent to prison. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, when I say functional, I love the I love the the setup for, the, for what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily... In, certainly in this first one that the narrative is is it doesn't really do anything it doesn't really go anywhere well, I, it's just one thing i found quite shocking in in my head i thought oh, in my head having played the gears games it's always obvious that dom is looking for his wife she is not even mentioned in the first no, games of War not game. at all the only mention she gets is there's a close-up on dom's tattoo that says maria at one point oh really it's not, it's not even touched upon that's got to even... have been put in in this version that's that probably it has wasn't in the to, yeah I, I think it has to be in as well because in when you go to the stranded camp it's like oh dom's looking for someone doesn't but then never oh, mentions yeah. it again he's clearly looking for his wife because we know we have played all the other games but yeah doesn't ever mention it it is yeah. so weird that is weird they clearly try to to up this in the in the second game especially mm-hmm. um to try and give the characters a bit more of a, a backstory and a grounding because at the moment for most of this game all it really is is 
there's locust here or there. We need to go do this and kill this. Mm-hmm. But it it serves the purpose of, of moving the game along. But they definitely upped it in later games where they introduced new characters who they developed better. I didn't... Looking back at characters like Baird, for example, Baird's just a complete mm-hmm. dick in this. For from start to finish, dick, yeah. he, there's nothing yeah. redeeming about his character whatsoever, and almost all of his dialogue is just quips or digs at people or sarcasm. He's like a yeah. really fucking base level Chandler Bing, and yeah. and Cole is just an absolute stereotype. And again, he was so much better in later later games. Yeah. And this one is just like a, an absolute maverick renegade who just runs into every single fight screaming, yeah, baby! Oh, woo! Yeah. And that's it. Gears of War Judgment is a, like a spin-off game that's absolutely built around Cole and Baird. Mm. And like based on Gears of War 1, looking at it, it's like they absolutely do not warrant this whatsoever. <laughs> no! Um, <clears throat> so like, I guess if we quickly start with... Quickly. I guess if we start with Act 1... Um, Essentially, this one follows the. It, it, this this is nothing other than a training mission that introduces the key mechanics, the key characters, and tries to start with a a big bang that keeps us playing. One thing I, I thought was interesting about this game, or the first the first chapter, sorry, was that it's actually weirdly gloves off from the beginning. It it sets up all the characters that you're going to meet and interact with, but then immediately kills two of them. <laughs> yeah. Is one of them a Which carmine? One's carmine, and the other one that kills kills Kim, uh, who's killed by Ram. Yeah, which is a shame because he had apparently a code to every single door in the world. Yeah, every single door in the world. <laughs> um, I did. I, I did like the fact that um, in the in this tutorial mission, uh, this is the one and only time where Dom is supposed to go get downed immediately. Yeah, because um, you're supposed to be learning how to how to revive him, but I didn't even bother. I just killed them all, and he got up anyway. Yeah, that's the other thing as well. So I timed my in one of the, well, I think it was maybe the second time I played through. You can see them cutting through the door, and I I timed my grenade throw <laughs> so that it just as the door opened, I kept I trying and failing, it blew them up. Nice. So like the enemies didn't even go in the room, and he still gets down. <laughs> so he must have just like slipped from something. <laughs> Oh, amazing! He gets down by nothing. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Um, the, I uh, I started playing this on hardcore, and then definitely overestimated my rusty skills because <laughs> I think I, I mentioned this to you before. Like I noted that basically on, on hardcore, it seems as if you need at least two magazines to kill a locust, whereas on mm-hmm. normal, you can kill two locusts in one magazine. So after I realized it was too hard and turned it back to normal, I then died again because I was just trying to walk around like a complete badass. Like, oh, oh this is well easy I now. I often take easy, like, you know, if you put someone down to easy to, like, go and do the collectibles or something, <laughs> yeah. I always take it for granted and then just give up with engaging with the mechanics Yep. and just to stop hiding, just, yep. like, walk through. <laughs> and that's I end up dying. And I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I also, um, I picked up on an absence of auto-aim as well, which... I actually quite like, although there were some disorienting moments where, for some reason, you come out of cover and he's aiming at the ceiling or whatever. Yeah. But I guess auto-aim just feels like such a, especially on console, it's such a, an ever-present perennial mechanic mm-hmm. that to play a game without it was actually quite refreshing. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. Act 1 sets up the story and we're basically going hunting for Alpha Squad who has some resonator that will allow the cog to map the underground tunnels so that they can then bomb it i yeah. suppose yeah um it's what is what's happening here so 
it sets up it sets up the story in, a, in, a, in an interesting way it introduces some characters and it presents the major gameplay mechanics one thing i think the first thing that jumps out to me in act one that they continually come back to and it's actually such a small thing but i ended up really enjoy, enjoying it and appreciating it is when the game allows you to choose which way you're going i think this game is clearly made to be played co-op yeah um, because of stuff like this and the thing that actually i like about the fork in the road stuff where you get to choose whether you go right or left is what it often does is it doesn't really it doesn't change the location of enemies and things like that so yeah. the enemies will always be in the same place and no matter which way you go you'll be fighting the same enemies it just encourages players to if not communicate but it it enforces a, a level of tactics, I suppose. Maybe yeah. you, someone will be above the enemy and they'll be able to get round and flank them while the enemy on the ground tries to hold them in place with some cover and fire and stuff. And I just think, actually, it's not something that's often talked about in Gears of War, but something they did really well. Yeah, because they, when they do the split up in co-op, you're never split up together, are you? You're always no. you, one of you goes one way and the other one goes the other way mm. and you're with an AI partner. Um, yeah. And I actually did, you know, for all we've we've talked about dom being terrible and whatever he the voice lines that they gave to him were clearly put in there for, i don't know if they, they're probably in there for carp as well but for single player he i found him actually quite helpful um in a sort of a subtle way where he'd say flank left or he yeah. would say he even tells you if you've missed a grenade on an emergence hole or if you've got the emergence hole with the grenade yeah. he'll say oh you, yeah you've closed it up and stuff so there was a lot of cool stuff in there that allows you to take a tactical approach by yourself if you just listen to the cues there's a lot more emphasis on things like flanking than yes. I remember there being in this game. I, in my head, it was always just a run-and-gun shooter, but actually the game does encourage and reward you for anticipating e-holes coming out and dealing with them right away and also trying to get round the side and round the back of enemies for your other yeah. your teammates do other things. Again, if that was co-op, it would have worked better because I found a lot mm. of the time, you know, when you've got like a Troika gun shooting at you, um, a mounted one and you can't really hit them front on I, I often felt like I didn't get any covering fire to mm. try and flank it the, the the other guys would just be hiding whereas if you had mm. an AI partner you could probably draw the attention of the guy on the turret gun and go around and shoot him in the back but most of the time he was just yeah. as soon as I popped out of cover he just instantly looked back at me it was quite <laughs> it's quite funny like he's got this amazing sense for for Marcus Phoenix I suppose the the big sort of set piece for this game is the bit we've already touched on is the the china shop section right at the end obviously having already gone through a a mandatory xbox 360 turret section yes the first of, of many the first of many in this game um there's actually something to do with the turret sections i, I think it's an act two but we'll get back to that what did you think overall apart from the bugs did you enjoy the wraith section the wraith keep calling it wraith the the berserker section I enjoyed the name of the achievement being a re uh, reference to Clerks film. What is it? It's called "My Love for You Is Like a Truck," which is oh right from a clip in in Kevin Smith's movie Clerks, where there's, there's some, weird some niche guy. for you. Yeah, my love for you was like a truck berserker. <laughs> some guy who's in a metal band, apparently. That's his song. Um, the berserker bit is is pretty iconic. Um, yeah, it. I did still feel that sense of dread because it's a one hit kill. Um, yeah, and um, the only time that's really going to happen to you is if you're running away from it and you're not really looking. It was quite easy to bait it and, and mm -hmm. dive out of the way. It did kill me a couple of times, I think, and obviously you had your your glitch. 
Yeah. Um, it's actually the the best. The, the funniest thing about the Berserker sections is that you're actually you feel more vulnerable and under threat when you're actually trying to shoot it with the hammer of the dawn, hammer of dawn, mm-hmm. than when you're trying to run away because baiting him and moving out the way is easy. Sorry, her yeah. and moving out the way is easy, but. When it's running at you and you've got to try and hold it that button down and get the laser and you're waiting those precious seconds for it to hit it is when you're actually more likely to get smashed up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which I guess brings us to... <clears throat> the Hammer of Dawn is awesome, by the way. The Hammer of Dawn, yeah. That, yeah, so that comes in the first one. You've got to try and kill all the cedars, don't you? Mm. And come back and forth. It's a, um, what a cool I... idea for a weapon. Just a fucking satellite that just absolutely wrecks them. Yeah. And it's it's funny though, like they, they talk about it, they're like, why do we not just use this all the time? And their their answer is just like, uh, um, uh, daylight satellites. Satellite. satellites. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever use it on normal enemies? There's later in the game, I did. There's this, I can't yeah. remember where it was, but I thought there's a yeah, there's a section that encourages you to use it against a boomer later on in the game. Yeah, um, and it's fun just making them explode. <laughs> yeah, I think as well at this point we've we've also got the Boltok, so we're already in, we're already there. Yes, I did see that because it was that I was playing this just around the time that we were doing our last yeah. episode for the top fives, and the ball talk came and I was like, "Yes." I kept that for the whole game, but that actually brings me to another point I wanted to talk to you about. Ask you a question of: Is there anything more annoying than if you accidentally swap out your lancer for a hammer burst rifle and then you can't find the lancer to pick it up again? Oh, I do that all the time. It's so, so <laughs> I've actually I actually noted how long it took me to get my lancer back, and it wasn't until the end of Act Two. So I went through almost all oh, of Act no. 1 and all of Act 2 before I got a fucking Lancer again. Oh, absolute disaster. I was devastated. Those hammer burst rifles are so shit. They're good for headshots, but yeah, I, you I actually, so annoyed at myself. You actually touched upon the feeling of dread that the Berserker gives you. And I think actually that's another thing that's slightly underplayed in Gears of War games that it does use quite often to quite quite effect quite good effect i think yeah. is, is the right word so like it does it in act one it does it um i guess touch on you know when you first meet the wraiths properly when you've got you get a shotgun and they start when you're waiting on jack to open the door and they start coming from either side and you've just got to hold off a the, wave of them the wretches yes i don't know why i'm calling them. i'm obsessed what with is, wraith. what is it what's what a is wraith it? from well there's a wraith Other than in being a vehicle and uh, there's a wraith, that could be that there's also the the vehicle in halo i don't know when i've been playing <laughs> there might be a wraith i don't know is there is, is one of no, the... I, th- I think i think what it is is there's a there's a chapter in act one called wrath and i'm seeing it written over and over again in my notes <laughs> and i think that's what's putting the word wraith in my head yeah see when we talked about um the weapons last week you i remember ah. you saying um that when the wretches come at you you love raving the chainsaw and just running at them yeah. but for me it's always been hip fire shotgun one tap yeah Never aim, just run around and just press the shotgun button. And that's that, how I deal with every wretch encounter. It's so it's so fun <clears throat> dealing with I, I find wretch encounters so fun because they can because you think you've got it under control mm. and you think you're just like you're like slowly knocking them out one by one every time they come, but then if you miss one, things quite quickly go out of control and then you, you start you you stop from standing in one place maybe shooting them or chopping them up to actually having to dive about and hip fire and tr- just avoid them basically because yeah yeah in, in I, easier I like... difficulties they, they are fun they're a fun thing to deal with i always mm-hmm. like to try and catch them on the volley as i say mm-hmm. as they're jumping in the air trying to just hit them with <laughs> a shotgun but on a higher difficulty i've played this on insane in carp and they are always an absolute pain in the ass 
they will completely over like they'll just swarm you you'll get overrun you will take a lot of damage from even a single swipe and they are a nightmare on higher difficulties mm. especially the exploding ones which we'll get to later yeah absolutely uh act so obviously at the end of act one you get the resonator and you have to find a way to go and deploy it so act two is spent by looking for a vehicle and then starting to transport the resonator to to the plant to the well the, the facility that you eventually take it to yes um this has actually got one of my i remember at the time so the the mechanic of the exploding uh, gas canisters i remember yep. absolutely loving that back in the day it feels a little bit simplistic now but i think in general it's pretty well done um for those that, yes. that maybe don't know what we're talking about is as you're walking through the level uh, dark you know, nightfall comes and when night comes there's this enemy called the krill so you have to make sure you're staying in the light because the krill can't go in the light um, and if you go in the dark they'll basically just tear you apart like like airborne what are those fish that eat you? piranhas like airborne piranhas <laughs> yeah. they just tear you to bits yes. so what you do is you walk through the streets and you have to shoot gas canisters to create some light to allow you to progress to the next area i think generally this act is done pretty well and uses light in some fun ways even down to the bit where you've got to shine a spotlight and dom and move him yeah. across a street so that you can get to the other side and put, uh, put, flip a switch to bring on the street lights. What yes. do you think of Act 2? Did you enjoy Act 2? Apart from the fact that I didn't have a Lancer. Um, oh, yeah. And it's a stupid burst as well. Yeah, the Krill, I mean, they yeah, they suck. I like the, They definitely did a lot of um, work for the, for the Ultimate Edition on the lighting. They started to use like proper shadow casting light sources and things like that. So this is a lot more effective in this version than in the original. Yeah. Um, I actually saw a thing on the Digital Foundry video I watched, which is why I sound so knowledgeable and clever, um, where they said that when you push that burning car down, the, down a ramp and you have to chase it to stay in the uh -huh. light, the way that it casts the shadow and stuff and it kind of lights up was actually sort of shown in the original... I think it was E3 2005 video, but they took it out of the 360 version of this right. because it was just going to cause too many, you know, too many constraints on the, yeah. on the hardware. So this is a thing that they obviously decided to put straight back into this version to make it look how it should have done in the original game from something that was cut. I can't remember how bad it was in the in the original house. Sort of no, I didn't get that been. far. But um, this is a yeah, this is a cool section. Obviously, the junker section itself is well. Again, that Digital Foundry video I watched seems to suggest that they made you take less damage on the Junker from the Krill because that, that was one of the sense. most hate-filled things ever in the original <laughs> game. On again, on Insane, it took us hours. It's disgusting that you have to stop the car to be able to shoot them. Oh, my God. But I might be jumping ahead. I don't know what you've got notes. No, no, carry on. Um, the, the bit in this section I actually want to talk about is probably what, what was back in the day my favourite section of the game where... So essentially, for those again, well, hopefully you have played this, but You've you, had you go time. and you, yeah, you, <laughs> you go and you get a, you go and you get a junker, which is a vehicle, um, which is going to take you to the facility that you need to deploy the resonator, and it turns out that the stranded camp, which you start off in, is being assaulted full force by the locust, and you need to get back and then hold them off. I see when you get back and actually start engaging with the onslaught. I really, really enjoy that section. Yes, when you're up on the kind of walkways above them yeah. all. Yeah, that's great. I forgot about game... that bit. I always remember just the, the gas station bit in this. 
Oh yeah, the gas station bit's good. It's, it, it, well, the gas station bit, the bit with the Troika gun in, in earlier in the act, where you've got to push a Troika gun and then the enemy comes from a different direction. And then again, at the end of this, yeah, with the, the fight against the Locust, I think what this game does really well is making the enemies come from all around. It, they're never Your attention is never safe just facing in front of you and yeah. not worrying about what's happening on, on around you. And I think... This is another example of when the boomers the boomers start coming out the ground in the camp while yeah. you're getting attacked from the front. I just think this game does it does it does a good job of creating the feeling of that you're just scrambling to stay alive, which is what I love in shooters. I mm. want to feel like I'm just holding on by the skin of my teeth and no more. Yeah, and it and that, that section is good at that. I think, and it also lets me loose with the the sniper rifle, which is. I've got no love in this game. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And you know, we've we've talked about the story a couple of times already. And and although it doesn't really do a lot, it definitely kind of maintains that feeling throughout most of the entire series of these games, where you're just constantly under the cosh as the human race in this battle, and the locusts just are just seemingly never ending, indestructible bastards who won't go away. Um, and the enemy design of is something that also needs to be massively respected because I love the boomers yeah. so much. The, the boom, boomers are great, and they're yeah, just just big stupid heads that you can just continually blast into. <laughs> Fantastic, love those. I what was I going to say? I was going to say something and I've totally forgotten. Oh, I wonder if there's. I'm assuming it's deliberate, but I was again playing this section, the section with the junker specifically, thinking that this game is just. A bit of a com is like darkly comedic, and they're just kind of idiots as well. Yeah. So like whatever you do, everything always goes wrong. Nothing ever goes smoothly, and then but then at certain points they kind of bring it on themselves. So you fight the junker, you fight the the locust when you're refueling the junker, so you can drive it back to the camp, mm-hmm. and you do it, and you're like, oh, we need to go, and then Dom just just like rather than just pull the fuel pipe out and put it on the ground, he kicks it so it breaks and smashes fuel everywhere, and then as they're driving away, they knock over an electric tower that then falls onto the fuel tankers and makes the whole thing explode. <laughs> it's just like you guys are such a bunch of idiots. There's there's a bit um, when you're in, I think it's when you're in Marcus's dad's house and you go down into the cellar, where Marcus keeps saying, shh, quiet there are locusts here and then immediately kicks the fucking door open as hard as he can <laughs> what are we doing so yeah you're right they are just big brainless you know muscular guys but yeah um, and you get to the point where you're like I, f- I understand why people see you coming and think oh no like it, it's even with the krill section you're smashing through the level you're setting everything on fire <laughs> so that you can just walk on yeah everybody around you dies immediately yeah they're just a bunch of idiots. Yeah. But they're lovable idiots. <laughs> they are lovable idiots. I think except the Baird, opening, an asshole. Except Baird. <laughs> I think the opening to Act Three in this game is is maybe the most effective part this game has. It I remember like I think there's bits and pieces in this game where it never re- it never obviously never leaves leaves this sort of shooter nature behind, but there are certain bits where this game has quite a lot of almost a horror aspect to it yeah and i think when you arrive outside the station your junker breaks down and you're walking through the rain and this is the first time you start seeing lambent locusts that explode when they die um arriving at this facility i think there's something quite foreboding about it i don't know how you felt about it alex um 
Yes, I completely agree with that. And, and again, I'm going to refer back to this Digital Foundry comparison video that I watched where the actual storm and rain effects are, are actually really reduced in this version compared to the original because the original really? version had quite a lot of fogging that was necessary for the, again, to handle the, the performance of the game probably. Right. Yeah. So in this one, it's a lot clearer. And the, I think okay. the previously the rain was like textures coming down, whereas mm -hmm. now it's like a real-time engine right. producing rain. So it actually looks less horror, horrific. It does, actually. And do you not think the, ret the wretches... Did I use the right word? Yeah, yeah. the wretches look a bit odd when they're climbing up the building when you first see them still wasted a sniper shot on them every I, i've not learned that lesson yet because it's clearly just a, a cut scene but i'm still going to yeah. try and snipe that one on the silo right the first time you yeah, see him of course you are um i mean that i've seen the i've seen the comparison of the two and they were really they were really just gray maybe a bit black before mm. but now they're they glow everywhere so again you know you can see them coming a lot more um but they they are a massive threat in this point. And again, I'll go. I keep going back to playing it on insane previously. But it's almost impossible these parts where they're just you're getting swarmed by lambent wretches that just blow up every time you've shot them. Because normally it's going to be right in front of your face, which is, you know, it's it's it seems quite a basic thing to throw at the player. Like, okay, mm -hmm. now you've got these horde enemies that swarm you, but this time you need to move after you've killed them. But it's it actually really works and it adds to that horror aspect massively, especially in that bit where you are you can fall down into the break that's through right. the, the wood that's right to the wretch pit i uh, this is another thing i think for me that's where the game maybe shows its age a bit i remember finding that a bit really fun the first time i played this game yeah because uh, i remember it years and years ago but this time i was just getting through thinking you are a pain in the neck this section actually that um, brings me to another question what do you think about the walking with the exposition do you think that's aged poorly as well because i know they'd cut it out they at least allowed you to sort of jog didn't they in later games but in this one yeah we're going right back to snail's pace walking while anya needs to be talked to on the headset yeah my, my assumption is they're hidden loading screens um yeah probably but, but i totally agree with you because it's a game that's quite fast paced in all action and then to remove one of my pet hates in games when you remove control for a player so whether it's yeah. a shooter and there's a status effect that makes you go slow or lose control of your character yeah i just i just don't like it because if you're going to make a game that's all about sort of running gunning shooting things if like a really fast paced action game i would rather just have a cutscene that i can watch rather than slowly walk through a corridor i think that's got to be why why water levels get a lot of universal hate as well because it does exactly yeah. that they oh, always... I, I, I think the video game industry would be infinitely better if you just took water out of games. <laughs> Do not like them. Yeah. Rare. I think, the, actually, side note, the, I think the only, off the top of my head, the only time I can remember liking water sections in a video game is maybe the 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 sort of re, what do you call it, when Rayman came out in the Xbox 360. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. Rayman Everything else. Legends, yeah. Bad. Even the Mario ones I don't like, particularly. That's the, uh, there's something weird about that though, isn't there? The way that they program in the original Mario Bros. There's a way that they programmed him underwater. That's yeah, just like him jumping or something. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, but yeah, but um, this section is cool. It's one of the most memorable ones, isn't it? I think. I think especially so. with this the is... look of it, because it's there's a lot of grey. I mean, they did a lot of good work in this in this Ultimate Edition to put loads mm. more lighting in it. So there's a, there's a lots of kind of amber and orangey hues going around rather than it's basically monochrome the original version so this was the yeah. real kind of 
visual sort of spectacle in the game and um it definitely still holds up in that in that regard absolutely you also end up this is where you end up underground trying to plant the resonator in this act and um traditionally gears of war games and unreal engine games get got attacked for being just gray and brown all the time but i actually think it's used to quite good effect in this area with the emulsion and the sort of stark yellowness of it i love that means that like yeah like well, there's sections of the game that are well they're really really pretty but they're super atmospheric and i think it's done really well in this section just I, everything this is, i think this is the best section of the game yeah um and the bit that you're talking about when you go end up underground um is segued into by one of my favorite animations of all time that bit where marcus and dom slip down that slope oh the comedy of errors continue yeah it's fucking like chuckle brothers shit it's yeah. so funny like what they've slipped on a comedy <laughs> banana skin amazing um then this one is the one that ends with the the corpser thing isn't it the corpser yes which which is a boss fight that i managed to complete without fully working out what i was meant to be doing i'm pretty sure it's invincible for the first 30 seconds as well because i you, you cannot you cannot it? shoot its belly if you at the beginning even when it exposes mm-hmm. it it just it just won't have it until they decide oh no sorry because you're supposed to shoot it in the face, I think. You're supposed to do it in the in the belly you and shoot then in it, the face. You shoot it in the belly, then it opens its legs up and you shoot it in the face, I think, yeah. is, but is you, I think. Yeah. If you shoot its skin anywhere in the first 30 seconds or so of this fight, it does not happen until you get that voice line that says, mm-hmm. shoot its belly or its exposed belly or whatever, which was, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a, just an old sort of trope that they don't really use in games anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Is as much as this game, I think, has has held up incredibly well, there are one or two moments mm. that just feel it's obvious it's from its time. Yeah. Um, I somehow killed I the corpse while facing the wrong way, so I think Don might have done something. Oh, really? He might have done. Because I remember I turned mm. around to run away, and then it just sort of ended. It must have fallen back into the pit. Maybe I'd shot it enough and was being a badass and not looking at explosions, but... Talk, talking badass i was a big fan of that cutscene after where it busts out and mark has just sort of watches it right that's amazing that's yeah so he doesn't give it any shit he just stares at it that's so yeah. good <laughs> such a big dumb action movie but i love it yeah the um so the, this this act sort of concludes with you deploying the resonator actually before we move on this is where you encounter the theron 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 oh, guards yeah. for the first time yeah which i think is probably worth noting towards the end of the chapter you get to this big underground facility that it seems to be sort of an emulsion plant refinery or something like that um and you encounter a new type of venue which they have a new weapon which you're a big fan of yes the the torque bow and they're just this is just a stronger and what i think is more more aggressive version of the normal locust what are they called theron guards theron guards yeah yes yeah, they're I, like the queens thought, in they're like the queen's yeah. personal guards yes because i remember i thought it was quite interesting and a nice little touch that i guess because he's been away maybe because he was locked up that marcus doesn't really know what they are mm-hmm. and he says oh they've they've upgraded and then somebody else says no 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 they're they're lamb they're theron guards Mm-hmm. I think it might be Baird or Dawn, one of the two. So I thought that was quite a cool little touch that Marcus isn't entirely sure what he's up against. Yeah, because um, I actually was playing through this and I kind of realised this game follows a roughly two and a half day period. Yeah. Yeah, where, it's not a, yeah, it's not a long period of time. No, where Marcus has like literally been out of prison for two days. <laughs> like what, what a lot to get through. What a wild <laughs> ride. I think he spends quite a while in prison as well. 
Yeah, I think so. I think they said he's been well because at the beginning when Don breaks him out, he says, "Where's every you know? Let's go see someone, doesn't he?" And he's like, "Everyone's yeah. gone. They've all been pardoned." Yeah, because things are things are going badly. Oh yeah, they also have lancers as well. I, I think they're the first one, the first enemies the Theron guards are to have working lancers that. Oh, really? They can chain. They can chew you up with a chainsaw, which took me by surprise when I'm running in there, thinking I can just, you know, invincible my way through all of this. The one thing I forgot that they added to Gears of War Two was remember when you when they have the 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 same weapon as well, and you sort of had a weird sword off. Yeah, that was and wicked. You to, and you have to button mash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish they'd added that to the first game. Um. The one thing I will also add to this bit is, you know, when you first hear these guards, I can, I'm calling utter bullshit on bed because you hear a, ah, oh yeah, and he's like, oh, it's just the wind. And then he goes, when's the last time the wind whispered hostiles at you? Yeah. Fuck off, does it say hostiles? Ab- no yeah. way. No way. Absolutely not. Yeah, I remember Making thinking that, shit that too. Up. It's funny how you remember certain things. Like there's a, you know, the bit where you you got another splitting up bit in this um, before you get to the refinery. Yeah, where the sort of waves it sort of interlaces between one another the section. Yeah. yeah. So that bit again is another bit that's on insane was so difficult because they're oh, coming from all angles. That there's the bit where Dom says, "I hope I got the right path," and then Marcus just goes, "Hey, I hope we both do." that I remembered vividly quoting that every time because we played this bit so many times over that every, I was just waiting for, hey, I hope we both do. I think I have PTSD of this. <laughs> you a- are absolutely gotten for punishment playing this game. Was it on Sane? I've done all of them on Insane. Oh, that's absolutely madness. Only that, in co-op. I'd never do it by myself. It is actually insane, that game on Insane Difficulty. It's, it's, an, it's an utter ordeal. There's not a lot of fun about it whatsoever. But you battled through. I did. I've got the achievements to prove it. Absolute animal. <laughs> so the end of the end of Act Three sees you deploy the resonator, uh, only to find out that it. I didn't quite get this. It didn't do its job properly, <laughs> I don't know or were the tunnels bigger than they thought they were? I didn't get it either because I thought it was a bomb, but then it isn't because there's a bomb later on. So yeah. What it didn't work. What didn't work. I'm still. I'm still unsure of. Yeah. Well, this is the this thing. Time. So it's like. So as far as I understood, you wanted to map the tunnels so that you could set off a bomb. But I don't know why you need to just set the bomb off. But maybe the resonator told you the best place to set the bomb off, but it doesn't work. Or they find out the tunnels are bigger than they thought. But coincidentally, Baird found a box that has much more map data than than they actually got from the resonator, rendering everything you've done to this point completely pointless it's a very bad thing to do yeah and he's just had it and not bothered telling anyone <laughs> he, um, he just chucks it not really casually to mark's like yeah check yeah. this out though mate yeah and then just by looking at it over her comms anya manages to figure out that it originates from a university that your marcus's dad seemed to work at so you're off to your childhood home to look at some pictures on the wall and <laughs> See if you can download more map data to help you with the bomb, I think is what we're doing. Yeah, I think so. It's all just a reason to go somewhere and kill something. Yeah. <laughs> which is fine for me. Absolutely fine for me. I actually quite enjoy the Marcus's home section. It's quite fun hold like busting into the house, going through all the corridors, seeing the funny pictures of Marcus as a child yeah. and 
then holding off the house, like sort of holding off the locust from your house window, which is quite good fun. Yeah, it's also fun to note that even the house is brown and grey. Brown and grey, yeah. yeah. The- um, before that, though, there's the, there's a berserker section, which I really am not a fan of. Oh, this is when you're moving through the sort of the university campus and you end up in the conservatory, right? Yes, and I forgot what you had to do because I was shooting the ceiling at first and it wasn't working. You've got to make it knock down all the um, pillars, haven't you? Yeah. Is that right? But then is there a way in that bit where the, you actually break the entire ceiling? Because all I ever seemed to get was just holes in the ceiling, which meant that the yeah, Hammer of Dawn was buggy as, well. as fuck. Yeah, I ended up with just holes pretty much. Yeah, hor- that was so annoying, that bit. I don't think it killed me, but it just took ages. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And that was, I, I think I died as well. I held, I, I held on to try and get the hammer of dawn off too late, and she managed to get it to me. Yeah, that's, that's where it goes from being frightening to just frustrating. The, yeah, the berserker fight. It's not, it's not got the the impact of the first one whatsoever. Yeah, it's also the point where I clicked that that everything in this game because it's just like Marcus can't open a door; he's got to smash open every door with his foot. <laughs> Damn right. Also apparently anyone that's working any sort of electronics can only push a massive button or turn a big red wheel <laughs> yeah that's all there is isn't it? by push a button you mean punch it yeah <laughs> smash the button um but yeah i thought this was a really fun section of the game um apart from the berserker section obviously moving through the university campus was done quite well there's yeah. a section with troika guns um that are sort of above each other one's above a bridge and one's below a bridge just before you get that to confused your house. the hell out of me that's the bit where don went dis- disappeared yeah because i ran down the bottom bit and then realized i couldn't go any f- i kept dying there because i was like how the hell do i get over this bro because the thing breaks away doesn't it yes the, like you've got a, a bridge that you're trying to cross it breaks away and you just get mashed up by the the two troikas on different levels so i remember right. i threw a grenade at the upper one and managed to kill him i was like well he can't shoot the floor now and then walked and it still crumbled anyway. I just thought, where do I go? And then I realised you've got to loop back and go on the upper version. But it, that's where Dom just completely checked out. Fuck knows where. Maybe he fell down when it crumbled Probably. away. Who I knows? Think he got di- I think he got downed in my one. He, ra- he did he what did. you did. He, he ran downstairs and just stood in front of the Troika gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So I'm I just not left Dom, him I? to it. I found myself on normal mode. I think it's, it's maybe a bit different on... on other harder difficulties but in normal mode every time he got down i just ignored him oh 100 percent. which really screws you in that um uh the brumac fight coming up oh we, we he, will he is... have a chat about that yeah. <laughs> but yeah i love that i don't think um you know with the with the monochrome color palette that the original game had it's mm-hmm. easy to forget the actual decent level of variety that you get from act to act because you're starting off in like government really buildings do. then you're in the slums at night time then you're in um the emulsion mines and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff with the silos then you're in your own house so it does it does flip you about the world in a quite cool way i mean the second game had loads of amazing shit going on with the snow yeah. levels and whatever but it's it's got a lot more variety than i remembered yeah it really does i think they do uh, they do it really well and each act feels distinct yes. and like you're saying, there's there there is a variety to it. Yes, the color palette might be broadly similar, but the the way they they create and use environments are I think is really really well done in this Agreed. game. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to just play something really tight. Mm-hmm. From you know, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Everything is just exhilarating, apart from when you're walking and talking. Um, yeah. But this you know, it's this kind of game that that seemingly only Sony are trying to do, and even when they do it nowadays, it's still thirty or 
you know, 35 hours, whereas this is a nice 10, 12 hour action romp. Where everything, yeah, you're right. Where everything in it is fun, everything in it is like, and because it's it's short, the stuff they do do with like weapon placements or the the little set piece fancy bits like driving your junker or fighting a berserker mm. or even the train level at the end yeah it, everything feels new and nothing really gets stale i don't think yeah even though the enemies are always this kind of pretty much the same yeah but you're right it, it, it they, they do enough to kind of mix one or two things up give you a give you a new weapon or a new enemy to fight like the things the the reavers on the train bit yeah um, yeah, I just I really enjoyed the pacing of this game, and I really enjoyed that just the the length of it in general was refreshing. Even though it's not One, refreshing, it's old. But yeah, maybe no, the gears maybe the gears franchise is part of the reason that this type of game died a death because everyone did this after gears. Yeah, and it's a shame because looking at this game and then looking at gears five, I actually don't think the series has moved on well, particularly so. no. like. Like the game still like it's part it's partly it's it's both good and bad I guess um that Gears One still feels modern I mean like yeah as an as an example like whatever you think of I I I think the Beatles are great but whatever you think of the Beatles like one thing that I think is amazing about a lot of their songs is like Hey Jude or yesterday feel could feels equally at home if it was written today or if it was written in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s it's sort of timeless and yeah. it still feels modern i'd I'd say not to compare gears of war to the beatles but <laughs> fine by the, me the, yeah the gameplay mechanics still feel relevant and they still feel new and they still feel they don't like for instance i think in many cases when you're playing Halo Combat Evolved, that because of the lack of aim down sights and yeah. the nature of the floaty jumps and things like that, like that game, although it's still fun, it shows its age. I think this game, for the most part, everything it does still feels relevant. That's a good point, actually, because one of the things that people always talk about with these Gears games is like the fact that they've got like enormous armor on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this was by design to to make the game easier to develop or keep things kind of streamlined in terms of what your characters are going to be able to do. Uh-huh. But something that could appear on the surface to be restrictive in terms of how they're a bit clunky, their sprint isn't really that fast, you can't jump. Um, but it actually still holds up quite nicely today because you can buy into that in terms of immersion of these yeah. guys have got this massive armor on and you're thudding into these chest high walls. You're leaping over them in not, you know, not the most acrobatic ways. Everything feels kind of almost trudgy and slow, mm-hmm. but in a, in a, oh, I don't want to say visceral because we've already talked about that word, but it does feel <laughs> like that. Yeah. Totally Everything's kind of chunky, but it, that's clearly by design, I think. What, what do you think of the imagery that, with specifically this act starts to bring forward in it so like because we know about the story the, the, the cog actually aren't for the most part the good guys they used like nuclear weapons on their own people yeah and but like they have very sort of stark and effective imagery and it's very reminiscent of governments of today that are very controlling and very 
very centered around their militaristic nature which i guess if you've just come out of a hundred years war that's to an extent that's to be expected but even when you're imagine like if your house looked like marcus phoenix's house you had big eagles on the walls (laughs) massive like military insignia everywhere like i think this is i guess i guess the game does build on it but i thought it was interesting this is where i really start to notice how maybe the cog aren't the good guys and then you you marry that with the stranded you're obviously not welcome when you meet the yeah stranded they call you camp. a fascist pig or something don't they at some yeah point. which I, th- I thought was quite interesting there's a lot I, of quite... there's a lot of propaganda posters around walls and stuff isn't there i yeah. can't remember what sections they're in but there's a lot of that kind of feel of when you play the game like Homefront or whatever where you had all those chinese communist posters yes. littered everywhere it kind of felt a little bit similar to that that it's a bit of an oppressive regime it's so one thing i think this is the thing that i find both a, sh- a shame and a slightly frustrating those because i think the world building in gears is it is I, again i'm not trying to claim it's some sort of intricate amazing storyline but this game knows what it is it knows it's big and dumb but the world building it, cre- it creates within the game is i think it's fantastic but it just doesn't explain itself at yeah, all. Yeah, I completely agree. That's what I was saying at the beginning that it's it's functional in that the, the the concept of this game is great. Like mm-hmm. a load of dis, like these despicable warriors bursting out of the floor and annihilating humanity, and then somebody has and then people have to nuke their own kind to survive, and mm-hmm. everything's a desperate struggle. That that setup is is all you need, but but to develop it from then on, like I say, it only really starts to do it at the end of this game. Yeah. And then, then, well, the end of Gears Two, you sink a whole city, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> to try and flood, like the bomb didn't work, so let's try and flood them this time yeah. in the same way that we used the bomb the last time. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. You got flying out of the hole at the end, yeah. grabbing on helicopters. Yeah. Um. So that is. Well, I'm trying to think. I'm now trying to look at my. I think once you get out of the house, that's the you're back, that's the end of the act, isn't it? You're back. You're onto. So yeah, we move on to Act Five, which is essentially we we have downloaded the plans and we know what the the tunnels look like we have a bomb we need to go and set the bomb off so it's now marcus's job to sort of fight his way towards the train that the bomb is on and then find a way to deploy the bomb um obviously because everything goes wrong the the the, we get blocked off on our way to the train and then the the humans eventually lose lose control of the train so we have to sort of wrestle it back in a way from the locust and then set the set the bomb off so this one starts this is where i think a lot of this act is where the extra content i was going to ask you if you know what is new and what isn't because i remember obviously you're playing a lot of this as marcus and dom separated from baird and cole because they didn't get on the train or something that you get on in the beginning yeah and then they meet up with you later on when you're on the, the the light mass bomb train but i didn't remember that at all that we oh, got you know? split up and i remember when they started saying oh here we were back now or whatever i thought oh have they added that in or was that always there but if it wasn't always if it was always there then where does all the extra bits come in because it seemed like they just well they obviously fleshed out the the separated part but yeah so there's a section in this game obviously the brumac fight is added but um yeah. every I, I say essentially like as a rule of thumb anything containing the brumac is added yes so the 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 bridge is blocked. You have to move to an electric plant to try and restore power to the bridge yeah. to let you go back to the, the vehicle and then continue on to the train. While you're doing this, there's sort of, in a in a weirdly slapstick way, there's a brumac sort of circling everything you do. 
yeah. and Baird and Cole are just sort of running around getting it to chase them every so often. Oh, that, that and that the voice lines and sound clips from that were just constant for me. So when I was yeah. inside the building, all I could just hear was a shotgun going off all the time, and Cole just go, "Woo, come and get me, baby!" <laughs> it was really, it's really off-putting. I was just like, "Where are you?" Yeah. Um, as you're fighting your way through this area, where it's, which is where the the Brumac fight kind of comes to, is you're you're trying to again, like I say, you're trying to restore power, but something to do with transformers, and a bit like in Star Trek, when their answer to every problem is put more power in the deflector shield. <laughs> the in this one is like, oh, we need a big transformer. We need to move power from here to here, and yeah. So you have to sort of tempt the Brumac into the power lines. <laughs> yeah. Because the it turns out that the locusts need power, but they don't have their own power plants, so they've taken control of one of your power plants and are basically running an extension lead under the ground. <laughs> right. So you need to sort of unplug the extension lead. Okay. Um. So yeah, that brings us to this Brumac fight. I I I hated it. I I really didn't enjoy this fight. What did you think about it? It's a missed opportunity, definitely. Because mm-hmm. um, it, you know, the, you on the ground fighting this giant Brumac should be really fun, but yeah, well, maybe in co-op it is because you could employ again some strategy. The yeah. big strategy I found does, that didn't work in this was using cover of any kind. I just had to mm-hmm. basically keep running around, yeah, sprint as far away as possible, and try and shoot it because Dom was always on his knees from the beginning, mm-hmm. so he was Absolutely. totally Instantly. fucking useless. Yeah, that you're right. I think in co-op it probably is more fun because. There is an a the the Brumac responds to gunfire quite yeah. quite easily, so you can kite it around and you can yep. take you can take different sides and you can try and basically just keep it at arm's length while you beat up its guns. Whereas in single player, you had to shoot its guns, but every time you did that, the thing just absolutely charged at you. So it was yeah. basically just a scramble to not get one hit killed, yeah, and then try and find another place to get cover before the guns on the Brumac tore you to pieces yeah. while Dom was lying on the ground dead. <laughs> I mean, I, I, found... don't, I don't mind a variety in gameplay for sure, but there's always a rankle that I'll have with a boss fight that takes away the skill set that you should have gained by the, by the time yeah. you get there and forces you to just completely go on the fly Absolutely. and do like, something new. You're developing a skill through a gameplay loop and then they, they totally abandon it and make yeah. you do the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um. I found, did you figure, like, because I think I struggled with this more than you did. Yeah. Um, But I found that, so basically the section, how the section goes is you've got to shoot the guns on the arm. Yeah. And then you've got to start shooting the feet to make the Brumac fall over to allow you to shoot the driver. That was one of the hardest, that was the hardest part I found. So I found the first section harder and eventually the, the, the way I figured out how to do it was try your best to get Dom up and run away because as soon as you get Dom up, the Brumac would tend to focus on Dom, which would usually allow you to get into cover and maybe right. shoot a gun. Yeah. But then after that, give up on Dom. Once you once you've got the guns destroyed, give up on Dom and just <laughs> try and get the driver dead. Yeah. Was the way I found. The window to it. shoot the driver was so small though. Yeah, it was. Because <laughs> I think I was always trying to switch to a sniper to get him, but it was it wouldn't switch quick enough. No, I didn't I have a sniper. I had a boom shot. That's why I found this easier. Because uh, that was easier to take the guns out with the boom oh, shot. Oh, I, I bet. Shots. I bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I was, I was just sort of blind firing at them. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay, that makes sense. And then, and then of course, you complete that. You tempt the, you tempt the <laughs> broom act into the power lines, which then somehow restores power to the bridge to let you then carry the, on and get to the train station. Didn't need a lot of tempting either. He fucking bites it at the end. 
Yeah. Just run there <laughs> oh, from the start. This. It would be <laughs> fine. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, talking about like, so how much I liked the bit in the stranded camp, um, I really, really like it when you get to the train yard because it's instant. Usually in this game, there's a build-up, i.e. you start off in a quiet area and then you move in and you start getting shot. This is instant. As soon as you get to the train yard, there's just enemies in all directions. It's really, really good. I thought that was a really well-done section in the game. Yep. And you've got to keep moving to stay on your feet as well because like, it's like snipers start popping up behind you, so you've basically got to just keep on the move. Is this when they're in like high-rise buildings as well? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a sniper at this point, so I actually did feel quite genuinely helpless. I just thought, I'm never going to get those snipers because I, I've got no, I've got no range to, to yeah. deal with them. Because for some reason, yeah, I, I, I had a boom shot instead of a sniper rifle by this point. <laughs> I actually thinking there's probably a fun, a fun video we could make on our YouTube channel about train levels. Yeah, because like, oh well, it's, it's a weirdly common in my head. Thing this in is games. this versus Goldeneye. I think this and Goldeneye. Yeah, that's probably the best. The best to you, and then there's a there's a well actually let's not go into this one. We'll no. Maybe come back to this at a later date. Yeah, there's, a te- there's enough levels. of a teaser, I think, for people yeah. who want more train level talk. Yeah, <laughs> essentially you fight. It, it becomes apparent that the cog have lost control of the train, and you need to get on the train as it's flying through the the train st- the train station. So you fight your way to the train station. Cole and Baird get left behind because they're not quick enough. You say hurry up and then they go, yeah, yeah, I'm coming and then don't bother. Yeah. So yep. you and Dom end up on the train and you've basically got to fight your way to the front to the end battle. What do you think about the train live? I quite enjoy it actually. Me, me too. Section. Me too. Again, on normal difficulty, it's a lot more fun than it is on later ones because on later difficulties, the, the Reavers will wreck yeah. you. Um, it's sort of a, a weird whistle stop tour of everything you've done up to this point in Gears, isn't it? Like you, yeah. you encountered a berserker, you've got to push some buttons. Oh, that's fun. I quite like that. That reminded me of Resident Evil Code Veronica, where you got to kick the tyrant off a plane. Did Same you watch him? Did you watch him die? The, her die, the berserker after you cut. I think so. You, well, I wanted to make sure so he was definitely going to so die and bad. not come back, but it just kind of disappears, yeah. doesn't it? It just sort of it has a death animation that it. So like, when you push the button and detach the cars. The cars, like for some reason, that means the cars have to flip and explode. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Of course it does. But when it does that, it, it goes, as soon as the expl- flipping and exploding animation start, it just goes into the death animation and then just sort of shrinks. They've obviously just like <laughs> shrunk it to try and make it look like it's gone um, off into the distance. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so bad. <laughs> I, I cannot believe how easy I found that bit. Yeah. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just kind of running away for a bit. And then he's like, disconnect the cars. Like, oh, yeah. There's a oh, button yeah. right there. Push the button. Yeah. Uh, that's a cool way of that's a, that's a cool way of, of making that fight different because you've got no hammer. Which is great because Marcus immediately goes, right, let's fucking hammer of dawn him. Despite the fact that yeah. I don't have one and it's not it's not available right now anyway. Yeah, she's like, what was it, Anya? Hammer of dawn is getting used now. And she's like, nah, it's new. <laughs> yeah. Well, where is it then? What, look in your hands. Where's your hammer of dawn? Smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you you like i say, saying this is like a whistle stop tour it goes through like you have like the the waves of wretches coming you encounter most of the different enemies uh, most of the other than the hammer of door most of the guns appear and encourage you to use them there's a troika gun section it, it, it introduce another new enemy which is what are they called the the flying flying things, things. the reavers the reavers yeah and then which if you shoot the driver off they explode yeah Di- died of a broken heart that's what happens. You sure if you were if you if you had a sniper rifle and you went onto a dual casualty, this got morbid quick. You just started shooting drivers. <laughs> yeah. Just the cars would explode. That's how yeah. it works. 
There's something about being on a train that's moving fast that somehow makes me want to go really, really fast through the level. So you were tearing through it, were you? Yeah, I was trying to. Don't they? I think they do a. Do they do a timer in this one, or is that somewhere later? Uh, I think there is a timer. Yeah, there's a timer for the Brumac, not the Brumac, the yeah. Berserker. I just, mm. I just distinctly remember there was a bit where you had to run through something and just leg it past stuff, but that might be somewhere else. Maybe that's talking when you get time. Out of that well, house. I was about to say talking timers. I found the timer when you get out the back of Marcus's house really, really tight. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, it was super tight. It did not give you a lot of time. Nope. No, you that can't must really have fight been tough anything. and insane. Oh yeah, probably. Just leg it, I think, at that point, or chuck a grenade and hope. Hope for the best. But yeah, the the, the train level there is no real time limit restraining you but i just felt like i had to go really quick i just got caught up in the must be something about the yeah scenery speeding past yeah yeah you're right it must be something about the train the train movement that is doing that for you it's a cool section a cool set piece i like it you were were talking about this i guess it probably brings us to the it does to to the ram who is foreshadowed at the very start of the game as he murders kim i swear that was a different thing as well in that cutscene i'm pretty sure originally the death was different but i could be wrong yeah yeah so i, I watched this one the original it's, it's a bit more silly in the, in the original game is, is in it? that ram picks up kim and starts punching him in the face yeah and then just sort of shoots him and throws him away whereas this is much more dramatic in the ultimate edition he like walks up to kim while there's loads of explosions going around and like <laughs> stabs him through the stomach with a big sword and lifts him off the ground yeah i could i thought he shanked him in the first one but yeah he obviously doesn't yeah, so it's yeah, it's fun. Um, I didn't. I get and it's sort of the inverse to when we were talking about the Brumac fight. I had absolutely no bother with this fight that's ins- whatsoever. That's nuts. That is nuts. This is the I most. Looked, this is this is the most like this has been a mortal enemy of me for however many years <laughs> since this first game came out. It's just so heinous. I don't know how you did it. I, I think you said you just basically spam fire. I didn't him move. In the face. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. The amount I just of times those place and got shot. Me. Yeah. Whether the krill were there or not, I just shot. I, I can't believe the krill didn't ever get you because no, they got once. me every time. And like I said to you in the text, we were talking about this, where didn't matter what I seemed to do. If I sat there behind cover, they'd get me. If I tried to run away, they'd get me. If I tried to roll around, they'd get me. And all the time, Dom is just completely useless. Runs straight up to Ram, gets twatted in the face, <laughs> kneels in front of him for the entire fight. And at that point, you're thinking, do I get him up? Because I need... I'm going to run out of grenades to get rid of these krill, but apparently I don't need to even employ that strategy either. Stand it's weird as well because because doesn't Coltrane he like fires something at him like a, he fires the can like the light cannon to get rid of the krill, right. but they don't seem to ever do that again. No. So you just no, kind of don't. having to. Oh, I always thought you just had to throw a grenade and then shoot him when the krill got away. Um, but I had so, I must have died 25, 30 times on this just over and over again trying to. As soon as the krill came, I was done for, and I try and run to the other side of the thing. I tried to get on the Troika gun at one point, which was a bad idea. And eventually, I, I must have just yeah powered through and somehow managed to get enough. I think once I switched to the Lancer, it worked better than trying to snipe him every time. Yeah, because I would miss yes. the shots, and then I'd I'd lose that window of opportunity to actually do any damage on mm-hmm. him. So that's why it was taking me so long every time. And then just to get spam killed by the krill was just an absolute ball ache. Yep. And I guess once you've done that in true Gears of War form, you manage to avoid death by the skin of your teeth by jumping on a helicopter as the train flies off a bridge into emulsion, I think. Or is it water? I don't uh, know. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be to jump from a moving train onto a moving helicopter. Well, I, just, I always just feel Marcus. like you would 
you would like disappear. Yeah, you'd have no momentum, and you'd just like land on the floor, and then everything else would just go screaming into the distance. But it's a cool, it's, yeah. it's a cool little set piece. Yeah, I quite like the set piece at the end. It's again like big dumb action movie sort of set piece. Um, yeah. And then you see a big explosion, and then you get a weird chat from Hoffman, and then a chat from the Queen at the end to set up the next game. Uh, bold move. Gen- generally quite well done. I've always I always give massive kudos to a first game in a series that you don't know is actually a series that foreshadow a sequel at the end. Billy Big think, Bollocks, yeah. Yeah, you think you've you you've just been developing this. You've you've yeah, you've marketed it and it's had Microsoft's backing, but at no point was there any confirmation that anyone was gonna like this or buy this or want a sequel for this, and you've just stuck it in there anyway. Yep. But then there's also the sad ones that do that but are then are complete commercial flops and you never get the no, you never get the next one. Like Shenmue took Shenmue, yeah. decades oh, before yeah. they could fill that. And they haven't even bothered to do that yet either. Oh, like, yeah, you would think with Shenmue, you was like, oh, I've got my chance to make a new game. Let's just wrap it up. No, 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 nah, no. We've got three more of these. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off, have you? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that brings us generally to the end of the game. I mean, I, I think we've we've kind of covered it as, as, as we've gone. It's pretty positive we enjoyed the game there are one or two bits that are maybe starting to show the the creaks of old age but for the most part it's a game that still feels relevant still fun and is worth people's time do you agree yeah it's very much a blueprint game isn't it Mm. you you can you can see the foundations being laid for a games being built in this unreal engine there were so many of them so many of the cover shooting mechanics the turret sections all of that just felt like it set because this is a, a very early on 360 to me and I don't remember that vividly, but to me, this was the must-have killer app for a 360. I remember was, this yeah. being quite near when it first came out, and the reason I wanted to get one was this game, seeing the trailers yep. of it and thinking, fucking hell, this looks unreal. Engine yeah. 3. Um, <laughs> I don't know when Halo 3 came out, but I always, I was always quite disappointed with that because it never really yeah. felt like a true next-gen game, whereas this did. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Halo 3, for me, is actually... It's a good game. Like, it's a good game, yeah. Much Probably like Halo 2, one. I think it's a good game, but that ending kind of ruins it a little bit. Yeah, see, that's at least yeah. them putting a, a cliffhanger in a second game in the trilogy, rather than, like we said, Gears putting it in the first one. Yeah. Balls out, I love it. But yeah. yeah, what a great game. What a great series. It's got me, it's got both of us itching to play more Gears, so expect more yeah. of these podcasts going forward. Absolutely. We're, we're going to... I'll probably it'll probably be in our next list game but we're going to play through some horde which appeared in latter gears games and maybe try and rank the horde modes yeah which i think will be fun that will be fun be fun to play them all yeah um do you want to give us a sh- what, what's next on the podcast list alex oh we've got a new game to play right oh well yes so um the next game that we'll be covering i believe is going to be hades right that you've, right. you've suddenly gone into and, and hopefully got hooked on. Yep, um, to play that. But uh, there's a bit of a disparity at the moment because I've played that game for over 100 hours and Dave is just starting. So Yeah, I've got some catching up to do. Yeah, so it, before that, we'll go back to another top five extravaganza for the next episode. And I believe that is going to be the top five worst games from good franchises, top five mobile games, and top five peripherals. Oh, right. I forgot we did that. Yeah. yeah, well, we've got that up next. Yeah, so that's going to be another fun, uh, quick-fire top five episode coming next. And then following on from that, we'll move on to, to Hades, which mm-hmm. I cannot wait to talk about because that game is unbelievably good. Yeah. And I'm, addictive. I'm, I'm glad to finally be at it. Me too. On it. I'm glad you are too. Um, I guess if you want to chat to us about 
Gears of War or anything else game related, you can follow us on Twitter at WinnerIsYouPod, I think our name is. And yeah. you can also, just through brand consistency, because we're amazing like that, you can send us emails at uh, a winner is you pod at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yep. And I think uh, that brings us to the end of the episode, Alex, does it? I believe it does. Yeah, make sure you, if you're listening to this one on whatever platform, please rate, subscribe. We just, yeah, any any discussion we can get going from this, the more people we can get listening to it, the better. So please help us out. Yes. And with that, I've been David. He has been Alex. We have been a winner issue, and I'm out. I hope we both do keep gaming. <laughs>